0: Welcome to another Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So, tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we are going to be talking about the latest drops that happened uh, for both Grog Monet as well as the Twitch drops. And we have a brand new Sea of Thieves podcast that came out a bit ago. It was about 10 or 11 days as of the time of the recording. We're going to be talking about that. It is the brand new year, and we have a whole lot of CFEUs to look forward to in the coming seasons. We're going to get into all of that and more on this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast. But before I get into any of that, I have to thank the patrons. They are the ones that are supporting this content and making sure that they are supporting towards getting uh, new systems set up with the last graphics card and a mule drive uh, or working towards the CFEUs fest in Ohio. Uh, my wife and I just bought our uh, reservations for the hotels for that. So we are for sure definitely going. And then we are going to be working on um, plane tickets and uh, travel after that. Uh, so very excited to see everyone again. I've already been talking to a couple of people about it. And I'm looking forward to to checking this one out because I think Doug has got a lot in store. And I think he's uh, he's definitely really excited to kind of see like what this year year two will going is, is going to be a given that is going to be three year or three days worth of content It's going to be fantastic but to thank the patrons who are supporting that and funding that i really appreciate it so thank you to people's republic l cute balls blue turtle v1 captain chonky captain hatchet captain hayes chateau Neuf, super pack zombie killer cloud cosmic johnson static mirror Davrum tv El Jefe Esteban Fergatron, Godhammer 6 I'm the Panda Now Jorby Jorbs Carl Embo Kazia the Aficionado Cryptic Slayer Lumpy SRQ Evil Morpheus Space Admiral Ores Murphy Lives Mutinous Max Nipperkim, Norwegian Raja the Brave Registella the Brony Pirate Rust Bell Kid Skamelt 666 Captain Tommy D, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Mina Ferry, Anthony N Jr, Captain J Rat of the Flaming Cold Sore, The Lore Chronologist, Deadeye Dre, Heger Owl, Jeff H, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Roosky Thor von Blitz, Windsor Chris, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and Zam Wow. Thank you all so much for your love, for your support. I really appreciate it. Obviously, make sure you guys are taking care of yourself before you're taking care of me. Uh, other than that, that let's get into it. Ahoy there, Pirates. I hope you're having a good start to your new year. I am doing my best to do so. I have uh, a beverage of choice. It is a very specific type of beverage. That is an adult beverage. And uh, as such, I've decided to kind of have a more relaxed kind of episode going into 2020 we're going to take things kind of chill and see how things go no expectations we're going to just let things come at us with see of these and see where we feel when it arrives uh there's been a lot of discussion with um just how this season this last this current season is if people have been enjoying it and stuff like that and honestly going into 2024 i want to take 2023 and i want to bottle it up and say you know what rare took about a year off from sea of thieves to make a monkey island game and they did a really good job with it and then they're coming back strong for 2024 to focus on sea of thieves so sea of thieves are going to kick it off we're going to see how things go and i'm not going to have any expectations for it but we got a uh an official podcast this was the end of the year one before everyone kind of took their break and it's been great to see some of the devs kind of sharing their their uh experiences over the last couple weeks if you guys remember i didn't have an episode last week which was weird it was very odd i was not i I wanted to have an episode but at the same time i told myself i wouldn't that was going to be a christmas gift to me was i wasn't going to worry about getting an episode out and um to make up for that i wanted to kind of just go over the sea of these podcast episode that they put out this was um 11 days ago so i know many of you have probably kind of thought about it Um, listen to it if you haven't listened to it it is uh, it's fun it's laid back and it is mostly just kind of resetting expectations for 2024 so now that we're in 2024 um, it'll be very interesting to see how things go but before we get into that I want to make sure that I get some of the time sensitive things out for you to know so if you haven't already Make sure that you were going on to Twitch if you want to get more of the Frozen Horizon set. They are going all out. You do still have to watch one hour each item, and you do have to claim that. Again, I have to shout out Automatic Twitch. It's an extension that you can put into Chrome. There's others out there that will automatically claim channel points, drops, all those kind of things that you you they want you to interact with. This covers that for you. Then what happens is you just find a favorite streamer who has drops in their title or a Twitch partner and this one is actually one of the ones where you can watch any participating see stream it doesn't doesn't specify that it has to be a partner in this case, Uh, but you do have to watch there are seven different items one hour per seven hours total. It's going until January 5th, uh, 10 a.m. UTC, which is 2 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And to get these, you're going to be getting the Tundra ha- hair, excuse me, uh, the belt, the dress, the frigid hair, the boots, the hook, and the jacket. All under the Frozen Horizon set. Now, a lot of these folks uh, out there are probably saying, well, I've already got these. Do so I really need to worry about it? Nah, you don't have to. If you've got them, don't worry about it. If you don't, this is the first time that you've maybe jumped into Sea of Thieves. It's a cool-looking set, not pun not intended, uh, to be able to get pretty easily um, just by hanging out and watching some of your favorite streamers. Uh, Shout-out to, um, uh, let's see, Beard, uh, Behaving Beardly, uh, Fuzzy Bond. Um, who else did I jump into? Lady Haradra. uh trying to think, charities, always Carities. Um, lots of other folks that I just uh, kind of went about and just kind of got a little bit of time here and there, uh, followed whoever was, um, you know, getting rated, things like that. And uh, it was just nice to kind of hear some good conversation. In fact, I'm going to be trying to get Fuzzy Bond uh, scheduled in for this new year. Um, we were having a conversation today, actually, where we were talking about Arena versus Hourglass and why hourglass is a mistake so it was a good conversation um that hopefully if we get a chance to i want to bring him in to, to talk about that because i think it would be a, a much better form than trying to um have a conversation via stream and, and chat it's just really hard for them to kind of follow because they're they're also trying to you know fuzzy's trying to put on an entertainment stream and uh we're, we're trying to have a, a serious conversation it's tough so we're gonna try and work on that hopefully we do um it'd be fantastic to get him in uh, I know I do want to get a conversation with uh, Behaving Beardly and Beardageddon together to chat about Skull and Bones. I would love to actually have a group of, of us to kind of sit down and talk about Skull and Bones um, just to kind of have that, that kind of out there. Uh, and I think I might actually talk a little bit today about that. I've been thinking about it. I do want to cover that. But I want to get the, the information out there about the Twitch drops additionally hopefully you did this hopefully you guys remembered to log in to uh sea of thieves this weekend january 2nd at 5 a.m is the last opportunity for you to log in all you got to do is log in for Grogmane, which is the uh t- the the sea of thieves version of hogmanay um which is a a uh i believe it's a scottish new year's eve festival where there's just it's If you can imagine, it's probably drinking and eating like many of us do during the celebration. And uh, you get your tankard. You get your first annual tankard if you've never played Sea of Thieves. Uh, If you missed out on one of the years, then it will add an additional notch. So if you had one, this would be two. If you had two, this would be three. And if you're like some of us that have been around since uh, Sea of Thieves made, uh, you know, uh, uh, maps... Um, you've got your fourth one because we didn't, we didn't have one in the first year. Uh, they, they didn't come up with that, but we did have some stuff for the new year's. It was kind of cool. But now we have our fourth notch in the tankard, the, the, the grogman tankard. Very proud of that. Very happy to have that. Um, I still have favorite other tankards, to be honest. I still, I still love my order of souls ones. There's some really fantastic tankards. I'm not going to lie over the years. We've had some great tankards. Um, but this is just one that is is special. It's kind of like the golden sailor cannons, you know, it's, it's just one of those sets that, you know, you know, it's like you had to be there to get it. And if you don't have it, then, you know, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to get it, um, eventually. But, uh, for those of you that are dedicated out there that have been going every year, um, you can have a little chip on your shoulder and a little notch on your tankard. So, yeah, I kind of want to get into the skull and bone stuff. I was thinking about doing a full kind of preview build uh, or like video on this for XEP, But I wanted to talk about it now just to kind of give you guys some heads up on what's going to kind of be coming down the line. So if you don't know, if you're not familiar, if this is uh, all brand new to you, then um, I wanted to give you a bit of a heads up. So. With 2024, um, Skull & Bones, which was a game that is being produced and developed uh, by Ubisoft, and this is coming out of the, I believe, the Singapore uh, team, but has had a lot of help from across all of the other teams. Um, this is something that's going to be coming out in 2024 for a Pirates kind of life. It's, 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 if you're a fan of Pirates like I am, um, you, you, tend to gravitate towards just about anything that has pirate on it. Um, and I wanted to share some thoughts on it. We got a build, uh, that was probably one of the last beta builds that we're going to be getting, um, with the, the skull and bones before launch. I can't imagine they're going to be doing another one anytime soon. Uh, and overall, what I will say is, is that we got about six hours worth of time to play it. Um, there are going to be a lot of CFE streamers who are going to speak very highly of this game. Um, it's going to be new and exciting for them, and they're going to want to talk that up. Uh, so what I wanted to do was kind of give my fair approach to it uh, so that you guys all have like an idea of what I think this game will actually be for everyone that that's kind of going into it if you've never played skull and bones you hear about it and you might want to know a little bit about what to expect um this is going to be a lot like assassin's creed black flag uh where you have a ship and there is a crew that that kind of works your ship but you are effectively the helmsman and the captain um at the same time uh you will be able to work through the main campaign of the game which is you getting stranded uh from a shipwreck and having to kind of build up a crew and your reputation as a pirate from nothing uh which is you know it is very much kind of like sea of thieves in that sense you know we started out with nothing getting into sea of thieves then we had to kind of work our way up to pirate legend the infamy system in skull and bones is very much just a go out do stuff and you will get infamy through quest completions there is a kind of single player campaign this is a multiplayer game um there are going to be separate servers for pve and pvp depending on what type of gameplay you want to have Uh, and there's going to be ai ships and monsters uh, as well as other crew members to have to worry about on the seas depending on the type of servers that you want to play through but as the helm and captain you are kind of in control of everything uh you don't go away from your helm the way you do in Sea of Thieves, you do kind of control the players on your or the, you know, the NPCs on your ship um, to do all the firing and rigging, uh, all of the the kind of chores that you would normally do in a Sea of Thieves game with other crew members. Or if you're on a sloop by yourself, uh, those are all going to be done by NPCs and, and for effectively throughout the rest of the game. Um, you do start off with a very small ship and you're asked to go out and uh, just get supplies. And then when you come back, you're able to kind of build tools. Uh, you'll start to open up more and more the more you play as as you kind of work through some of the introductory quests, which are going to be the tutorial uh, proceedings to how to get a bigger ship, bigger crew. What your crew likes, you know, getting supplies for them, getting supplies for your ship, uh, having those all in your inventory when you go out so that you can be able to repair. Um, And as you're going out, you're going to be asked to come up against other NPC crews, uh, which are are part of a rival faction of pirates and privateers. And the world itself is going to look fairly good. Uh, This is all kind of set around a historical period that is... Um, roughly accurate to historical pirates, but obviously takes place in an area that is uh, made up with characters that are made up. So fully fictional, but grounded in reality. Um, you're going to have wild weapons that you're going to be able to add to your ships. You can swap out the cannons for different types, and it's all going to be stat based. Uh, so one of the things that Sea of Thieves does differently is they, they operate off of horizontal progression, which means... If your cannons are on your boat, your cannons operate at the same distance and, and damage as everyone else's cannons. You can't get better cannons with time. Uh, you can get better with cannons with time and practice, but you can't get better cannons. Now you can get better ammo for different situations, but that that ammunition is an augment to actually dealing damage. Chain shots will do more damage to masts um, than cannons will. Whereas uh, curse cannonballs are going to change things about a ship or players uh, that you can't do with regular cannons, fire bombs, blender bombs, things like that. Whereas with skull and bones, it is going to be effectively a power grind. There are going to be people that are higher level than you who will have earned better weapons and more armor and have better repairing abilities. And as such, if you go into a PvP server outside of the main hubs where you can uh moor your ship, you are going to be on open waters. And if you're in a PvP server, that means that someone who is higher level or yourself as a higher level person can start to be that big predator it's going to be a, a, a tantalizing thing for a lot of folks it's also going to be a deterrent for a lot of folks um, which is why they have split up their servers uh, to have pve versus um, pve or, or, or you know they're going to have player versus environment versus player versus player and environment um, if you go into a pvp server chances are you will still find a lot of pve encounters as they you're still going to be able to access all of that story as far as uh, as far as we know I don't I don't think they've had any changes to that uh but for all intents and purposes your goal is to raise your ranks in infamy until you become whatever you know the pirate king or pirate lord is uh you're going to be able to choose your crew how they look how you look how your ship looks all of that's going to be customizable uh they're going to have things in the future that will augment the way you can um have your ship look you can build better ships ships have class types so there are like damage ones there's tanky ones there's healing ones um a lot of that feels very rudimentary at this point doesn't feel like there's really a big difference between the different ship types so i don't know that i would get caught up on that per se i would just kind of focus on finding cannons that deal with different situations and ensuring that you are sailing in a manner that allows you to to use those in your best bet um you do have like four cannons on your on your um on the front of your ship that you can use and uh as you're kind of firing you can kind of see like okay well this is this is the rate of angle that these cannons have. If you turn more to port or stern, or not port or stern, um, port or starboard, uh, you'll gain access to you know your side cannons, uh, the on on port cannons or, or starboard cannons, and be able to you know use those and then kind of turn the boat so that you can kind of turn and use those four cannons again, um, or you can just change it up and get some some kind of ballistics running where you can use mortar cannons. Uh, It gets kind of crazy pretty quickly uh, after a while. And after playing six hours, um, I've been playing this game for a long time. Um, I can't talk about anything prior to this latest experience because those are still locked under NDA. Um, But what I will say off of my experience that happened this most recent uh, beta, the game is still in a very much the same state that it was when when I've I've kind of seen footage of uh it in the past. That's probably about the safest way I can explain it. Uh so they have done some things that have changed it. I think for the better. I think that the game is in a much better state than it has in the past based on what I've seen. Um or what I can speak to. And I think this is going to be a game that comes out and there's a good chance that a lot of CT streamers will really latch onto it uh, because they have the time to invest in it. Uh, they have that that desire to really try and grind as fast as you can. And you are going to see a lot of folks jump over to it for a while. Whether or not it has staying power is going to really determine whether or not this game sinks or swims. Um, and, I, and I have yet to see well into the future of the game to be able to accurately judge if this thing will stay afloat beyond a few months, we'll have to see from that. But the potential is there and the gameplay itself is still fun. Uh, It is still very rooted in Assassin's Creed Black Flag, but that's not a bad thing um, because that game does have a really good fun sailing aspect to it. They've also got a lot of stuff that is going to look fresh, and exciting i i can i can definitely speak to some of it um as far as like the sea monster fights that really feel uh epic then and, and you know maybe that's just a level thing you know i, I remember when i the, you know when i was sailing around and, and doing them very difficult but very exciting and there's other stuff that they've got down the line that i can't talk about right now that i think will emulate things that Sea of Thieves currently has with world events uh, that people will probably get a kick out of and it's all you know different style this is a, a far more mature and um, uh, realistic I guess to an extent a uh, more realistic approach to a pirate game we've had games like Atlas in the past or Blazing Sails where we kind of go off into the two extremes where Blazing Sails is more cartoony uh, and, and strictly PvP focused with no campaign. Whereas, like Atlas, far more survival based, far more based around um, having up big fleets of people working together to maintain um, outposts that you build up yourself. Much more like Rust, or um, I can't think of another survival game right now, but it is effectively uh, arc but just a a pirate version been going around for a long time at this point now i think they're in their third or fourth year uh and blazing sales um small development team able to really kind of capitalize on uh the sway that comes from cfe streamers playing their game um but realistically like it is it is going to be one of those things where they kind of dip in and dip out of that skull and bones i think has that same appeal where um anytime there's a new update there's going to be a a group of people that are going to jump into it and check it out with this being a ubisoft title one of the things that i think everyone should kind of keep in mind in is a i would not recommend pre-ordering any game uh that is not out and has reviews on um i would not recommend Anyone buying any seasonal pass version of this game until you've had a chance to get into it and play it and see if it's a game that you're actually going to enjoy. Outside of that, I will say that Ubisoft tends to subsidize the cost of their games through extra types of modern monetization. So they do have seasons, they do have expansions, they do have cosmetics. All of those things are potential revenue sources for the players that are playing those games as such it is usually likely that within a year there is going to be a relatively good discount on the game now given that this game is a multiplayer game unlike some of their other other titles that they've had out in the last year like Assassin's Creed Mirage Avatar the Frontiers of Pandora um, the one that I'm blanking on right now then you're going to see uh this is going to be heavily dependent on how many people jump into it and stick with it uh ubisoft is not the type to really kind of ditch a game um too too quickly they do ditch games i'm not saying that they don't um but i do think that they will probably give this game a good year to see how it runs and if it does well then there's a good chance they'll keep working on it um but i mean assassin's creed valhalla has had plenty of expansions, and it wasn't until maybe the last year or so since its release that they finally said, okay, we're good on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, We've done just about everything we want to do with it. We're going to move on to another another game. So we'll have to kind of see how things go with that. But for Skull and Bones, it is a fun game. Uh, I did enjoy my time with it. I did play five hours of the six, Um, but unfortunately, I have... (sighs) I can't really the experience that I had with the beta is one I'm comfortable saying is something I'm familiar enough with that I don't have to play it multiple times over if that makes sense. Uh when this game comes out chances are I will probably jump into it. I will probably check it out. I am very curious to see kind of if there are any good story bits beyond the guy is upset at other crew or other other faction for what they're doing on his territory and you rising through the ranks catches his attention until you eventually either murder him and take over or murder them and become his right hand man a lot of it's going to depend on if there's any kind of meaningful connections that can be made with any of the characters to see if that's worth investigating at the moment, I will say that dialogue choices in the game are worthless. They, they mean absolutely nothing. Uh, it doesn't matter which, which thing you choose. It will not actually impact the story in any significant manner. Uh, unlike, I would say, I would say Starfield or um, Cyberpunk, maybe Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, more RPG based games that have like impactful decisions. This one's more or less like what flavor of yes or what flavor of no do you want to say to the guy that's going to be the main point of interaction for you for the majority of the game, giving you the quests that you need to be able to continue rising, raising your rank of uh, rising, rising up through the ranks uh, by increasing your infamy um, throughout the seas until eventually you either usurp him or he gets killed and you have to take over we'll have to kind of see how that all plays out at this point it's not going to be i think the main driver for a large majority of cfe streamers i think they're going to jump in do what they have to do to, to unlock the ship types that they want to get and then eventually work their way through uh the ranks so that they can get the best loadout which will get min maxed and then eventually they'll just kind of sail around uh, taking on other people and that'll kind of be like their their experience with skull and bones i think after you know when it launches um it is something that is actually coming out next year uh there has been a lot of questions because of how many uh delays that they've had with this game this is the first time i've actually seen them uh fly out influencers or, or content creator streamers predominantly to be able to get hands on and discuss what's actually going to be happening with skull and bones um now a lot of that is stuff that as far as i know is considered nda until launch um but if you want to know when this is coming out it's coming out february 16th and there's a good chance that it will actually stick to that date um there is some stuff that's coming out around that time that i think folks will be interested in banishers ghosts of new eden which i think is going to be a a sleeper hit hell divers 2 suicide squads before that about the week before that uh but mario versus donkey kong um nightingale which honestly i think folks ought to keep an eye out for and then uh later on towards the end of february is going to be that final fantasy 7 rebirth that will probably take everything by storm so skull and bones is probably going to want to stick to that february 16 date and get out before final fantasy 7 so there's at least a good week's worth of discussion to be had by it otherwise they're most likely going to want to push out till after the uh march time frame because there's going to be some good stuff in march we don't know a whole lot about april but they're better they it's it's better that they get out on February 16th, which as far as I know is a lock for them. Um, I haven't seen them go gold yet, which is usually the indicator that they are ready for mass production of discs, which is generally the, the kind of go ahead for them to launch always a good chance that there's going to be a day one patch, but servers will be active. Um, Outside of that or any kind of game breaking bug, I don't expect them to be delaying. Uh, Honestly, they've only got like maybe Three or four stints, and, and honestly, I would say probably you know two to three stints before this game goes live, and then it's just going to be a, a, a constant run at that point. They're not going to have any opportunity to really stop. They're going to have to keep developing, working on fixes, uh, taking care of exploits, um, issues like that with the game that they just have to do while also building new content and looking to address uh, the the revenue stream that this game is going to be for the next x number of years until it either continues on its merry little way or it shuts down there's kind of two options there but that's kind of skull and bones in a nutshell um i had a really good time with it i think there's potential i don't think that a lot of people are going to find the the thing that they like about sea of thieves in this game i think you're still going to have to find that within sea of thieves um, there's a potential game on Steam right now called Void Crew, which takes place in space. Which, if you're if you're fantasy thieves, that's probably your best bet to get a different, similar experience. Uh, as far as like working with a crew to do uh, menial tasks um, throughout like your ship and. You know, everyone has a role, everyone has a job, and everyone has to work and communicate together to be able to overcome objectives, things like that. But it's all in space. Early access right now, but very, you know, very interesting to kind of see where that goes. But that's kind of Skull and Bones in a nutshell. I think we have a lot before we find out what this game is actually going to be. It has been in production hell for the last seven or eight years, and I'll be happy to see them finally get to the finish line uh, and see where it goes from there. next up on today's hit, let's dive into the latest episode 13 of the sea of thieves official podcast this is uh 2023 interview um it was uh, 11 days ago and uh the 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 numbers on this actually i mean they're not terrible as far as looking at the youtube <clears throat> i will say that uh let's see if we go back to past episodes let's take a look at Let's see, 12, 12, uh, a little bit more, a little more engagement on this one. I kind of wonder like uh, where their other ones are at as well too. Let's see, that's 12, 13, no, that's 11. So yeah, it looks like this is actually one of the the lower engagements that they've had on one of their videos. Um, Doesn't seem like this is kind of normal for them. It looks like this is kind of a lower, a lot of people talking about it. I think one of the reasons, that, and then we'll kind of get into this as well too. One of the reasons for that is that this wasn't really covering big things. Like this is more just like a conversational approach to what 2024 is going to look like and what to expect. Um, whereas at least with like the the past episodes, uh, we've seen them talk about like the core of CFEs of and having a bigger team, the fifth anniversary weekend, and what's what to be expected with that. Uh, whereas like with episode 12, they were diving into like SOT Fest and revealing Legend of Monkey Island and the delay for season 10. So there was a lot more in, to talk about that. Um, but overall, it it definitely feels like they uh, didn't have, have anything that they really wanted to talk about specifically with this one. Just kind of diving into what 2024 can, uh, can, can show us. Um, about a year ago, they had episode 9. Uh, it looks like honestly it's about the same same metrics uh, on YouTube. So it looks like there's they're kind of you know par for the course for this, um, which is still good numbers, honestly. like it's not gonna be same kind of numbers as um, <clears throat> like a um, like a panel or something that they that they uh, kick off with with like a launch trailer, their launch trailers. honestly, were some of the the things that got them the most attention when they would do one of those. a lot of people would go and watch those uh, which is kind of a shame is is you know why we don't see those too often these days you know we really don't see too many of those uh hoarder hunt obviously this year got a lot of attention um with as far as like engagement goes and stuff a lot of people really kind of trying to to suss out some of the mysteries that were in that um whole uh, it's very interesting year this year i was thinking about it <laughs> Very interesting. Um, but I wanted to dive into the latest episode and we've got a lot to cover. So I'm going to kind of keep things brevity and just give my my opinions on what I think they uh, said right and what I think they said wrong, um, where I think they need to be focusing on things and, and kind of what what they kind of took away from the year as far as what I took away from the year. So <clears throat> at the start, they kind of kicked things off with a quiz. The quiz was, honestly, I really like the quiz because it kind of is testing Uh, Mike and Joe and whoever else happens to be on at the time um, some of their Sea of Thieves lore which when you ask Mike Mike has a a brilliant brain as far as remembering all this stuff because he was working deep into it Um, Joe still knows a fair amount but obviously he is he's more disconnected from the the lore aspect of the game it kind of focuses on the health of the game as like an actual game Um, whereas some of the other designers and community members they they tend to know a fair amount but you know, everyone's got blind spots and and you're so focused on what you're working on. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be like a, like, like a, a lore hound. Like some of us are, um, and even like myself, like I've most definitely forgotten enough about what's been going on that I I am constantly thinking, like, I still don't remember a lot of the stuff that, that we're waiting to get answers for, for some of the lore. Um, but they, uh, they wanted to kind of kick things off. And, and one of the first things that I kind of typed out as I was writing up my notes, it says, Mike agrees that they have neglected the sandbox and that the refocus uh, is going to be on the kind of content that we want to have as, as the community. And this is kind of them saying, like, we realize what happened. And that was they focused a lot on the mystery. And then they focused a lot on guilds, and then they focused a lot on The Legend of Monkey Island. And in their pursuit to bring some of these these big three features to the game, they lost sight of what was important about Sea of Thieves from a day-to-day perspective. And I think that is one of the biggest takeaways. I I think I might be coming back to that throughout this, this discussion. Uh, but it was nice to to know that they are proud of what they've done. They have effectively created an entire game this year for Legend of Monkey Island. Like the amount of time that you have to spend doing the Tall Tales is comparable to Return to Monkey Island. If you've played through Return to Monkey Island, fantastic game, by the way. Even though a lot of people were not comfortable or, or used to the graphics change that they did, the style change that they did for that game, <clears throat> I still think it's a really fantastic game. One of my favorite things that I played this year, uh, I think it was like my indie choice for XEP. I think we were talking about it. I think, uh, I think Legend of Monkey Island or Return to Monkey Island was my my indie darling this year. Um, just of all the all all the games that I played, most definitely the thing that really kind of stuck out in my mind is like, oh, you know that was a really good game, a really fun fun game, and there was a lot of there was a lot of. Uh, stuff to think about with that game that i wasn't i wasn't actually anticipating like i didn't expect to to be so retrospective about how i felt about the characters or or just the characters and their journey as they as they played the as i played through the game with them kind of thing Um, but it was good to see that the content that they are making they don't they don't regret making it they they just regret how focused they were on it and the stuff that got shifted away from this year uh as a result and that is essentially what they're saying they want to do for 2024. they really want to refocus back on the sandbox and i like that because i think that's that is a very key thing to keeping people entertained throughout a year's worth of content for sea thieves it's always nice to have big features it's always really cool to see something come that just completely shifts the paradigm uh, away from what what the norm is right now, and brings us into a into an era that really does kind of like address some of the the. Um, the Things that have grown stagnant, uh, which I think is still still an issue with Sea of Thieves. Um, Shelly says that they're that, that she's really proud of guilds and Safer Seas, and that the uh, the next step change for Sea of Thieves and what it's going to do for players in the future. Um, they did talk a fair amount about some of the stuff that's coming with season 11. Now, I, I actually happen to know some of the things that are coming with season 11, um, through the insiders uh, that I won't talk about and it will kind of explain a little bit about like what they're talking about but we we obviously won't be talking about that here but if you're curious just jump on to see thieves on the insider program uh you'll be able to find out real quick what they're talking about with that step change but I am really curious to see why they think that that feature, if it is the one that I'm I'm assuming is the big one that they're talking about, will inherently change how players play Sea of Thieves. I don't see I don't see it being that big of a thing. But then again, I'm I'm looking at a very a very pinpoint uh bit of focus on on the thing that they're talking about. Right? <clears throat> I don't have the full context of the season that they're that they're planning for season eleven. I just have like a. Uh, a knowledge of, of like what that feature is um, but I just don't see that being something that is so game-changing to the game that it will really really change how we play Sea of Thieves if that makes sense I think it will help in some ways I don't think that it'll help in any too many ways I think a lot of people are going to play Sea of Thieves the way they they are currently but we'll have to see I'm being very neutral right now about that I don't see it but I also recognize that I don't have the full context of it. And sometimes when you're trying to find that one spot for that one puzzle piece, stepping back and looking at the whole picture can help you get a better gauge on where that one piece could go. Otherwise, you'll be searching for days. Uh, Mike goes on to say that the most requested feature since launch, which was uh, speaking to Safer Seas, um, was to play in private servers and have the world to yourself, specifically having the world to yourself. Um, what's different today that they got, that they went into compared to why this wasn't something that was done originally when they first came out with the game, why they didn't have PVE servers or, or have like a private server option. Uh, they said that the the game and the community, the audience has grown to a size that if you like pirates, there should be something for you and we're now at the point where they have gone back to the the question which it sounds like based on what joe's talked to us that they have this debate every year you know how should should is now the time that we should be doing private servers and all the way up until this point it's been no we shouldn't we should focus on adventure we should make sure that you know we're enriching the sandbox we're working on the things we want to do we're we're doing this And more and more questions kept coming to the team. Why can't I do this? Why can't I be able to have this? Why isn't it not possible for me to do such and such? And the more of those styles of questions that kept coming up where the answer would be private servers, it just came back to them saying, I don't know why we aren't doing that now. And it finally crossed that line. There was finally a line where demand for this style of of feature was high enough that they finally could not ignore it or say that it wasn't important enough which to be clear that is a lot of the time with with features like there are features in the game that we have because the need finally grew to the point where it could not be ignored and if you don't believe me i will i will give you a good example right now pirate legends had nothing to do for 10 levels except for athena's fortune the more time and time went on the more the community came out and said hey mike joe team when are we going to have more content for pirate legends pirate legends are dreadfully underserved with content and they said we want to focus on the majority of players we want to make sure that we're giving something for everyone not just a small minority now there could be an argument to say that Pirate Legends are still a, a, a large majority of the player base. And you wouldn't be wrong, but there are now enough of them to warrant adding content that is driven and specific to Pirate Legends. And one of the ways that they did that was they added the Athena's... Uh, the Athena... No, no, the Thieves' Haven Athena's runs. No, the Athena Thieves' Haven runs. What is what is the name of that, that voyage? The Thieves' Haven Arena runs that sounds like a really bad digestive digestive thing. I don't I don't want to ever say that again. And in fact I'm I think I'm gonna scratch that f- that word from the rest of my vocabulary. Um then we got <laughs> then we ended up getting uh the the revamp effectively to Athena's fortune um where we got the Legend of the Veil and even past that we got Hourglass which opened up for Pirate Legends to be able to access Hourglass battles to be able to uh, to go and start working on your curses. So it's it's easy to look and say, like, there is something that originally Rare said, no, we're not going to worry about that right now. That's not our focus. And over time, as the audience grew, as the player base grew, as the number of pirate legends grew, they eventually saw that the demand for the, the end game or, or at least additional content was would be more the specific uh, uh, kind of addressal here, was met, and they decided to add content for Pirate Legends. This is no different. Safer Seas is something that has, I guarantee you, been requested since day one. People have been asking for PvE servers before the game came out. I know it because I remember it, and there's probably episodes in the past where we've talked about it as well, too. Um, and eventually, they decided that now was the appropriate time to be able to do that uh one of the things that was very 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 uh poignant about mike's discussion about this was that safer seas should be something that acts as a ramp to get people into high high seas easier than the steep leap from never playing the game to instantly thrown into high seas that is a that is a pretty big leap for asking someone to play a game that they've never played before, that has very little onboarding, mind you. Maiden Voyage is it. And there are always going to be people who like a challenge, but I would argue that a large portion of of most gamers don't have the time or mental capacity, not to say that they can't, but that they don't want to. They don't want to expend that much energy to learn how to play a game that isn't going to give them at least a fair amount of hand-holding, to be perfectly honest. I'm playing through Baldur's Gate 3 right now. I am I'm loving the world. I am loving the interactions. I am hating how deep this game is because of all the junk I just don't know about d and I don't know or care about 80% of the systems in this game, but I love the story that they're telling. I'm very curious about it. I'm very happy with the type of characters that I'm playing with in this in this story, and I want to progress that, and the game itself is consistently pushing back, and I and I absolutely hate it for that. Uh, it's not my style of game. It really is not. I would much I would have so much more fun if it was a far more linear action based game. That's just my style. I'm not saying it's wrong to like it. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm just saying those are the things that push up against. My enjoyment of it—that is the same thing that I want to levy against Sea of Thieves when it comes to new players picking it up on Game Pass on their brand new console that they just got for Christmas, that are looking to play something and see the charts and see that Sea of Thieves is on the charts and doing well. It's like twenty bucks on sale. It's on Game Pass Ultimate. It's it's um, just there and accessible for as many people as possible who want to jump into it and they may not know anything about how this game is and you can't assume that your learned knowledge or the people that helped gain you that learned knowledge are going to be easily accessible or even desired and that's why I think Mike has kind of come to the point that Safer Seas is that tool for those players. Try Safer Seas if you like it great play around in that world and then when you're ready to continue finishing off your story and progressing into the later stages of the game move into high seas maybe you've made some friends that have picked it up as well you've gotten some fun things like that that's kind of what his stance is from the from the actual uh, uh sea of Thieves podcast. he says safer seas is a ramp to get into higher seas they don't want to have two forks of the game that are being developed separately they understand the desire to have adventure in Sea of Thieves and, or adventures in Sea of Thieves uh, that are coming to Safer Seas. They understand that that is a desire, but that's not something that they want focused on safer seas they want to have things like adventures focused on high seas because high seas is the main way to play sea of thieves one of the things that kind of came up with this uh is actually shelly talking about how do you plan content for safer seas and high seas and they said that uh one of the nice things is that there is a very clear vision of what safer seas is supposed to be and what what they create for that and and it is a case by case basis which means that there may be content that comes to both high seas and safer seas they're not they're not ruling that out but as far as I can gauge things that are PVP focused are probably just going to be for high seas due to the nature and design of what safer seas is, which I think makes sense. Perfectly makes sense to me. I don't see a problem with that. Um, and it kind of makes it a little bit easier for them going forward as to say like, okay, well we want the world to grow and progress on high seas. So most of the con- all of the content will be coming to high seas anything that isn't pvp centric or stuff that we want to reserve for like lore or story or whatever they want uh fundamental things will probably move their way down the ladder to safer seas and i'm talking about like you know like types of you know ammo things or or you know whatever you whatever you want to come up with for for ship to ship battles or you know tools not rules kind of things right like chests uh uh, crates things like that um so mike says uh he they're 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 pretty happy with how things are and that kind of got us into the discussion of uh the skull of siren song and joe uh kind of uh came in and said that uh he really enjoyed a lot of the stories that came from it that this was this was something that was part of the the dev team Um, along with the main team that was being worked on. So they do have a couple other studios that are assisting with content for CSEs. If you don't know, there are a couple different uh, teams out there working with Rare to be able to continue development. Um, If you guys haven't figured it out, Rare is a small studio with roughly two, 300 devs working on rare or or, or, working on sea of thieves in addition to everwild uh and if you look at most other studios that are building games as a service that have regular content those are upwards of like four four to six hundred people and sometimes those studios have partner studios as well that are doing assets working on cinematics doing uh, you know additional content to help supplement the time it takes to continuously drive a game as a service with regular content on a seasonal basis now it's up to it was it's on rare to to commit to that seasonal basis if that's the system that they want to go to but effectively they made their bed they will have to choose how that works in the at the end of the day mike actually came in to say that the skull of siren song feels like a classic sea of thieves update uh at the heart of it it's very simple Everyone gets a map, there's a chest, it has a key, you unlock the chest, you take the loot, you turn it in. The The desire there is solely based on what people are doing to actually get it. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to touch on, since we're talking about this, is Mike has confirmed on Twitter, which I hate that that's kind of a thing that we have to keep an eye out for, because there's so many times where news comes in through Twitter that is not shared um publicly well it's, I okay it's shared publicly but it's not it's not shared through official channels all the time and unfortunately news like that while fantastic and, and welcome and very personal um is tough to get to the masses because then you start having people coming up with their own theories on things and before you know it there's a, like miscommunication like um what was it uh Caleb uh, reached out to me today to show me a Reddit thread because I don't I don't do I don't really do Reddit because Reddit is a, a cesspool uh, for all intents and purposes. There's only a small percentage of good that actually ever comes out from Reddit., uh, most of the time, it's not not that great. But one of the things that came out from there was uh, a thread that he had shown that was literally saying, uh that rare was closing the store on january 2nd and and it was i don't, I don't even know if the thread is still up it is it is still up came out three days ago according to the cfe's pirate perks the official the official rare merch store uh will be permanently closing on january 2nd 2024 any orders placed before then, will be honored. I didn't even know Pirate Perks or the store was a thing until a few days ago, so I figured there might be some more people like me out who would like to buy something before it disappears. Hope this helps someone out. They have they have some nifty stuff there, and the Sea of sweater is on sale. And the title of this was Rare Store Closing on January 2nd. This is the kind of information that frustrates me, because it is half-accurate yes rare is closing their official rare merch store no it is not a permanent closure never have they said that it was a permanent thing they are switching vendors this is the second time they've done this the first time they did it it was because the company that they hired could not handle the throughput and delays were becoming a major issue with that that vendor Um, this current vendor is pretty good uh they're not they're not perfect but they have done a fairly good job of giving or getting uh, merchandise to people on a regular basis uh, at a a reasonable amount of time for a reasonable cost uh rare is going to be moving with another vendor i don't know why i don't know how much of the the content that is currently on the store will be shifting over to the new vendor if that's going to be possible or not whatever licensing deals or whatever the things they have to do to get that worked out is going to be on them. We'll find out more, I'm sure this month. Uh, But the, the problem that I had with this was the, the information was inaccurate. It was mostly accurate. But it wasn't absolutely accurate. And unfortunately, that, brings call, that, that calls into question. So if people don't go seeking out the official tweet that they put out saying that it was closing and they're just looking at the two links that were provided, they're not going to see that this wasn't a permanent decision. Because pirate perks will persist beyond this until they say otherwise, at which point I will tell you that they said otherwise so that you don't have to worry about it. But that that's where sourcing material is so important that it, it is frustrating to to have problems like this. Um, I don't remember where I got on this tangent. Uh, how I got got to this tangent, but it all kind of goes back to let's see where was I going with this? I can't quite remember where I was going with this, so I apologize. I'm going to revert back, and uh, hopefully you'll tell me in the in the comments why where I came out from this. But Mike was talking about uh. The Skull of Siren Song being a classic Sea update at its heart. It's very simple. Um, the the gameplay is there. It's it's nice to have. And, uh, oh, I remember talking about co-devs. Code nope, I can't remember. Dang it. Oh, I thought I might have had it there for a second. But uh, he goes on to talk about how the Skull of Siren Song um, was one of the things that they wanted to do at a very, at a very old time or like at a very early stage of, of development. They wanted to have shared maps. And he went into length about how this was something that they want to explore more of uh, a different way to bring world events to players outside of just doing some big thing in the sky, which if we're all perfectly honest with each other, I'm, I'm fairly certain that a lot of us are pretty done with the, the whole thing in the sky, like. There's a big thing in the sky. It it is the world event. Yes, we know. We're just gonna wait till the one that we want actually shows up. Most people will ignore most of them, and most of them will go uncontested. There's too much variety. Um, you need to be able to you need to be able to like zero in on the one that you want. And and honestly, the only way to do that is to just hop servers. So it's really like most people ignore the world events and they're going to be addressing that criticism i think by looking to see how they can do more of these shared maps um and i think that honestly there is there that model works and i think it works really well um i think that their their decision to focus it and give give cosmetics oh i remember um i remember i got back to that train of thought their focus on cosmetics and the the 50k that you earn from this uh not being something that counts towards reputations uh hurts the the actual event itself uh yes i like the the rewards that you get from it yes i will eventually get it when i get around to doing it because i always end up doing these things solo and they usually go uncontested at the moment uh, but i think that's because it's well beyond the the point of where the people that were going to were willing to fight over this have already got it done and already gotten gotten their mask and stuff. I never I've never seen a rush for this. I've stopped rushing for a lot of this stuff to get finished because I will get it when I get it. And I'm not hurting to get it right now. So I will get it when I naturally decide to kind of stumble upon it. Uh, but the thing that I was getting to with the Twitter thing and the Reddit story was is that we got information from Mike that actually addressed the fact that the, the money that you make for this doesn't actually count towards guilds or things like that. And we got confirmation on Twitter that it is something that we are going to be getting in the future. They're they're aware of it, but for, for whatever reason, it not counting towards guild rep is something that they are going to address. So, and thanks to Bird of Paradox on Twitter uh, for asking the question. To Captain McGuffin's question, which was 80% of voyages were uncontested, according to the Skull of Siren song, where no one cared enough to even come near me. Uh, Reducing the frequency wouldn't be enough to keep interest in it. It needs to give reputation of any kind, doesn't even have to make sense in lore, just make it profitable. So... Gold is not the profit that is, that is another criticism that I think the community and myself have is, is that gold is not the profit in this. When the pirate Lord says, it's not about the gold, it's about the glory. Uh, the glory for the cosmetics is shorter lived than the gold. Um, and most people probably won't even do it for the gold after a while because it's easier to get gold elsewhere. And I think that's part of the problem too, is, is that gold is just too easy to come by at the moment. Uh, but Berta Paradox uh, responded to Captain McGuffin's uh, Twitter, who Captain McGuffin, if you don't know, fantastic human being over on uh, the Ancient Isles University Discord, um, part of the forensics department for, and, and one of the boatswains, actually, uh, for the hoarder hunt that we had this year. Really great to work with them uh, on the hoarder hunt and just kind of bounce ideas between people for that. Uh, but they asked, I am once again asking Rare to give Guild Rep for Siren Skulls. Mike said, it's coming. So this is, again, one of those things where um, information is being passed along through official channels, but not official CFEU's channels through Mike Chapman, who you can't get a better source than that. Um, But if you're not following or have his tweets on notification like I do, you're going to miss stuff. and that's it's it's rough um so it's definitely one of of those things where we did get some good information about that but it it, it is obviously kind of a, a a bummer when uh you know we have to go outside of the normal official channels to be able to kind of keep up with all of the all of the stuff that's going on and th- this is definitely one of those cases so um there's also there was also a little bit of the stuff that was going on about uh the 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 lore behind the um, voice of the Reapers, which, again, I I have to assume that this is who it is. The person who, who gives you the, the curse of flame. Um, the voice is below Flameheart Jr. as far as rankings go. And then Flameheart Jr. is the second in command to Captain Flameheart, who we're going to be seeing this year. Um, but there was a whole thing on Twitter about that that was just kind of confirming where the rankings were. 90% of you guys don't care. Totally understand. I'll just want to get that out there, though. Um, going back to the Skull of Siren song, they're they're very happy with how they implemented it. I think that they did do a good job implementing it. Uh, I don't think that everyone is is driven to do it because of them getting most of their cosmetics done. And and most of the other people are just waiting till everyone is done rushing for it, and then they'll pick it up later with that baby. My cat is meowing for some reason. All right, crisis averted. Uh, she just wanted out. Um, next, let's get into guilds. Uh, this was something that was, they've talked about since um, before launch, the system could create uh, a, a social group. Uh, Mike talked about how this was something that they've wanted to do for a long time that they realized that, again, they're trying to work out the balance of how, how we play in the game and focusing on the sandbox. Uh, Joe says that he likes the guild names and that he's noticed that the Straw Hat Pirates was a very popular guild name and that he did actually love watching the live action series on Netflix. Um, And Shelley said that it was a foundational system, um, that they will have more to kind of like bring to that system when they've kind of addressed some of the other concerns, which did kind of bring up more about like balance uh, with like release dates and stuff and what they want to work on. Um, Joe talked and, and it was kind of candid about the fact that running a live service is kind of like being in a river that is always flowing. Um, and you don't really have an opportunity to just kind of, you know, be at pause or be out of the river. You can't really get out of the river and, and, and relax for a moment. You're always just trying to dodge, you know, the next upcoming rock or you're trying to like, you know, find something that will help kind of keep your head above the water. Um, and you're always kind of like dealing with issues that are coming along. And that's something that is new to the studio. They've been doing it for about five years now, but they've consistently been trying to figure out the best method to run a live service game for a, you know, for, for the first time, it's something that not many of them have had experience with and a lot of folks are going to say, okay, well, yeah, but it's been five years, uh, you know, what's been, what, why haven't they figured it out then? And that's fair. I think the I think that's where this balance conversation came into play, which I think was important to really kind of talk about because I think they realized that there are going to be things that the community asks for versus things that the studio wants to do. And the desire to consistently go after something they've never done before is always a big draw. You know, it's like a big shiny thing. And they're always kind of drawn to that shiny thing. And in this case, the shiny things were uh, Hoarder's Hunt uh, or the, the the Hoarder Mystery um, Guilds, and the the Legend of Monkey Island. Those were the three kind of big shiny things. Compared to continuing adventures, adding tools to the sandbox, refining uh, the 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 combat. Those are all things that kind of we've been asking for to kind of have on a continued basis you know we want the we want the world to move forward with the story we want the sandbox to be enriched we want to have um the issues that we're running into with cheaters and and hit reg things like that to get addressed and they realized that of all the years to have like the focus be on new this is one of the years that it was probably the the hardest for us to actually do that especially coming off of Hourglass. Um, introducing Hourglass to the game brought with it, if I may, a plethora of uh, hackers. And you might ask, well, how do you know if you have a plethora? It's enough that many people quit playing the game as a result. Um, and as such, it's, it's frustrating from a, a community perspective to feel like your issues or your concerns that are in my opinion valid because they are a detriment to your experience which is going to take you away as a monthly user um are not being responded to and this this kind of went into the next topic of cheating and hot topics where john had kind of um uh, addressed the fact that this is this is something that drew is now talking to us directly in the videos you know drew's come out and address not only hit registration but the server issues that were masking the fix for hit registration uh post season 10 launch uh additionally going into deals about like what is considered an exploit and what is being and what is getting worked on and kind of giving us an update on where where the studio is at with the uh with the the anti-hack or the is it anti-hack no what is it the 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 I don't know what you'd call it. I guess it'd be anti-hack. Um, for some reason, I'm blanking on what that would be considered. And uh, Joe came back and says that they the the question was was how can we open up about these issues? Um, and Joe responded that we've taken too long to get back in front of the community to talk about the issues and what they're they're doing about it. Um, and I agree. I I, I do think that. And this was something that he brought up. Um, which I honestly I still I still lament. Uh, having the the, you know, the weekly things to, to kind of hear from the studio where you would come down to the studio and you'd record an episode and then it, it would get released and we would have a weekly update kind of giving us a state of where the game is. But I also recognize, you know, th- there's only so much they can say. There's only so much they can really address every week. Um, and they said that they would kind of still do one, but that has also kind of fallen to the wayside. We used to get at least like a monthly update and then like, you know, a teaser trailer for something coming up and then like a deep dive. And the the videos, honestly, because the content has been delayed due to it being tied so intrinsically to the seasonal releases, really did kind of kill a lot of the momentum for the game Um, not to mention a lot of the focus went to other areas so where we were getting adventures and trailers that uh, you know I talked about earlier in this episode do pretty well for the YouTube site as far as you know drawing attention to the game Um, they all kind of went to the hoarder hunt stuff you know they worked with the team to kind of build that out but Mike came in and said that it's a renewed focus for the team and in, informs us that uh, the the shape of the year is going to be around that and the features that are going to be coming. Um, he said quote we need to do a better job of inspiring and exciting for what's coming next And that was kind of in response to are we holding are is rare holding on information to to uh, to too much um, to I don't want to say pridely or, or with pride? But they do have pride in their work. They do want it to be a surprise when they, when they talk about it. Um, and I, this, is, this is something that I think really kind of goes back to conversations that I've heard and experienced and had. Uh, I, I mistakenly um, hit up Joe once in DMs on Twitter. It was like the one time I ever talked to him through, through DMs. And I basically said that I think the insiders needs to have the NDA lifted. The community needs to have a conversation about the, the changes that are coming to the game, given that the changes that are coming to the game can be hugely impactful. The NDA um, is not something that we can break, and you know there are repercussions for that. I think Rare's pretty kind about the NDA, to be honest. They're very, very lax about it, but it is in place to try and deter people from getting a, a, a bad idea or misinformation about a change that's coming up and if you don't if you don't think that'll happen if you think everyone will be super nice about it and everyone will be very considerate and understanding about the fact that this is you know a state of a game that is not finished and we can we can talk about it in in respectable forms i'll go back and address the the slight confusion that was just the messaging behind closing the rare merchandise store like there there will always be an issue where people do not listen or pay attention or or relay information properly but sometimes um that's where content creation can help uh if 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 the insider program didn't have an nda that would afford us the opportunity as a community to help kind of curtail issues that may be caused as a result of uh as as a result of testing um this is something that i see in other games it works for the most part the biggest issue that comes as a result of this is when when the the when there's enough people playing on insider content um and everything's out in the open and they're they're developing it ahead of schedule for release the people that are uh, playing through the insider version are going to get tired of the content that's in there because they've already tested it, they've already played it, and they may not care to play through that on the live version, um, the retail version. And and there's always going to be, you know, that's not that's going to be a ma- not a majority, but a a portion of the community. The other trouble is is that anything that you want to have that is going to be kind of like a cool surprise. Uh, will have to be either either kept out of insiders or so heavily guarded uh, through code and encoding and, and encrypting that you have to take on a whole nother aspect of development that you normally shouldn't have to worry about. Because at the end of the day, if you've got story spoilers for something coming up and it's in insiders and there isn't an NDA, There's nothing preventing people from spoiling that for others. And as we've seen in the industry with things like Insomniac, when leaks or hacks happen and information gets out there, there is always going to be a group of people who seek that out, who want to be spoiled with it. And then can subsequently either spoil it for someone else, either purposefully or inadvertently. Uh, but we'll continue to share that information and it may not be all of the information which then again goes back to that whole reddit post about the misinformation so at the end of the day the easiest thing that rare can do is keep an nda on insiders the only alternative they have at that point is to be more open and communicative with their community um this again Kind of goes back to the sticking to the old dogma that they had in the first year where they talked about wanting to be as open and transparent as possible. These are their words. And to address that, you really have to take it into account what the state of the game is and where the studio is five years down the line. And to be perfectly honest, to expect that is to expect that Joni is going to want to be at the helm for Sea of Thieves for the foreseeable future. I don't see him leaving the studio. I don't see him wanting to change his role or, or get away from executive producer, but you know if Craig ever ever gets to the point where he's done running a studio and uh, just wants to, you know, go out and listen to music and get marvel tattoos and watch football games, then that's going to leave an opening that one of the executive producers might want to step up into that studio role at which point joe would no longer be the executive producer someone else probably would come into that position hopefully you'd hire from within and you'd have someone like mike kind of take the helm since he's already kind of like the head of lore and uh design so it's not it's not impossible to think of a time or or a, a hypothetical that would come up that would say like okay well the things that they said five six seven eight years ago need to stay true because they said it you just have to kind of take things for what they are at the time and allow everyone to change their mind on it what you guys may think was a good thing in the past or a bad thing in the past you may not think is a good thing in the past or a good thing now or a bad thing now um you know what you how many of you guys were around during the barrel 2.0 system that was introduced a lot of people didn't like it a lot of people said it took too long to get am- or to get cannonballs and planks uh as a result you know you're gonna you're gonna lose you're not gonna be able to um uh survive we've survived we've all we've all come across that and so everyone's you know a lot of people have changed their mind about that so kind of Going into this uh, even further, Shelly came back and said that she loves when we let people know what's coming sooner um, when it comes to topics and and, and ideas and stuff like that. And to be clear, she's the one that's kind of been letting us know about the details towards safer seas as well as uh, letting us know that the the time-limited voyages are going to be going away uh, with the next season, which is in January this month, I guess, at some point. I, I... I thought it was in February. It's actually going to be in January. Um, so she's actually fairly happy with the idea of letting the community know about stuff ahead of time. It reduces the chances that things are going to get spoiled like fire. Um, while also giving us an opportunity to give feedback about stuff too, because that's the other thing too, if we, if we know it's coming and we can test it and we can talk about it, sometimes that's going to delay the process. And for bigger features, I think that's fine. I think for bigger features, it'd be better to know ahead of schedule so that we can actually, you know, give give our feedback and, and kind of poke at the holes and see if that's something that's been addressed. Because as we've seen with Hourglass, when you have people who are playing the game on a regular basis, from their perspective comes a lot of clarity on whether or not a system is actually going to work. And because of that, I think you run into... situation where yes Hourglass could could be better because we helped feedback a lot of the the potential issues with it but when you when you don't do that you're gonna you're gonna launch something that's gonna have a lot of major issues uh, with the community and it's gonna get it's gonna cause more development time to be focused on that post-launch as opposed to not having a launch date, and then just pushing it out and ensuring that there's more time to talk and and kind of work on things as opposed to, oh my God, now we have to put out fires. Um, Joe talked about how some of the big lessons for this year, guilds being the most complex feature they've ever shipped after captaincy, which was also a complex feature. These were all things that they're going to be doing. And and just as one big feature, uh, trying to, or trying to, to do that with a season is very hard and recognizing that when you have a big feature and and you and you want to tie it to something you can't tie it to seasons uh and this kind of goes back to the idea of them having like big of big kind of features like that just kind of shipping when they're ready instead of having them intrinsically tied to seasons i think the feedback was clear i think they recognize the harm that can come from trying to do something that is so massive and having that be a marquee feature for that season you can still have a season come and go and have features launch i i honestly do think that you need to have something at the beginning of a season to draw people in that is what draws people in uh other companies the way that they do this is they they kind of have like a new a new line of cosmetics that kind of coincide with that. And that is kind of the draw, but also their draw is the cool stuff that they have in the, in the paid version of their season uh, is what draws people in to do it. And then they have events kind of going throughout Um, and see if they use it kind of has that opportunity. I honestly think that they, they had a good stride where there was one adventure per season. There was one community day, per season there was uh you know one mystery per season and they they had like a, an idea of the flow that they wanted to have with that and then you brought in big things like hourglass captaincy guilds things that they've wanted to do monkey island that they've wanted to do for a while and that kind of really steps on the whole the whole flow and, and focus of of having normal seasons right and they recognize that and they've they've kind of agreed that the best thing to do is for quality of life, for sandbox enrichment, for things like that, those will continue to ship with seasons because they are good reasons to bring people back to the game at the start of a season, which is, it's, it's important um, to have that. Whereas bigger stuff, it'll come, come later on. And Mike chimed in and said that they realized that there isn't a magic recipe for what the community wants. Um, You can't just find exactly what every member of the community wants and put that into a season and win. Um, I think I've seen that with Destiny where their seasonal growth and change has been slowly iterating upon itself over the last few years. And to be perfectly honest, while it's the most it's the best state that it's ever been. It's also the most stagnant it's ever been. And while the theme will change from season to season and the story will continue to progress from season to season, a lot of people are very bored with the kind of same repetitious uh process of going through the seasonal activities and stuff and a company even as much as as bungie has succeeded over the years with having a game as a live service they are still running into problems where the stuff that they put out is the best stuff that they've ever put out but it is also still stuff that the community will have umbrage with and because of that it's it's clear to see like yeah mike is right when it said when he says that there's no magic recipe there's no perfect formula for what you can put into a season that will please everyone because you just can't do it and a lot of that is just because of what mike said where everyone's at different stages in their game and their desires are going to be different from other folks There's some people that are just getting into the game that have a ton of stuff to do And adding more to that is just going to bog them down and distract them where there are people who have everything done and nothing to do. And all they're doing is getting on just to talk with their friends on a boat who are going to say that this is not enough content. There's always going to be folks somewhere along that spectrum and to try and cater towards one or the other will ultimately cause you to fail. There's no good way to address all of them and there's no good way to address just one. So sometimes you have to do a little bit of one and a majority of the other to try and give focus to one area and just try and find a way to build things that will be for everyone until someone speaks up loud enough that they are not being addressed and then the team shifts focus to that based on where they're at with the uh, the development cycles. got into feedback and q a uh before heading into teases um mike talked about the flame hearts eventual return will we get any more reaper skeleton cosmetics was the question uh they said yes they they haven't followed up with this um but they they are thinking about how to expand upon that that is great um i still can't put I, I still do not like hourglass i still do not like the way it it is i still have more fun just sinking ships on on adventure and and that just may be because i i can have an element of surprise or or have um ways to, to get away from it but that's just a me thing you know because i sail i say i honestly i'm on my ship solo most of the time so when i do pop on for an hour and a half or two uh here or there to do something genuinely like i'm i'm very kind of you know head on a swivel looking around trying to find stuff and for me i just can't i just can't put myself into the position where i want to deal with hourglass it is too much of an anxiety hurdle to get over for me to enjoy doing it um it's just a lot of pressure and i don't i don't go to play sea of thieves for that much pressure it's why i didn't really enjoy arena when they changed it to one chest when it was multiple chests and there was a shift in focus and some people were attacking each other some people were going after chests and that that focus would shift depending on scores um i think that the the game was in a much more healthier state in that mode of of arena but that is my personal opinion that is not what actually was true about the game. I don't know that we'll ever find out what that is. But rest assured that more variants of skeletons for the Skeleton Curse will be coming uh, to Hourglass, um, which is kind of a bummer for the, the ghost, you know, for Athena's Vanguard, you know, like what do they get? They get nothing. <laughs> so it's kind of a shame there um, that Reapers get the benefit of that. So hopefully something would be coming for Athena as well. Um, I do still think that that, that area needs to be something that is more accessible for players. I do think that 50 should be able to let you into the area just to go talk to people and to, to browse things, uh, to be able to like have an opportunity to get lore out of there. I don't think 50, 50 is still a hurdle to get to. If you guys, if you, if, if you're not over a hundred now, <clears throat> chances are you're, you're close to 50. Or you haven't even touched hourglass and you probably would never will um but i hate i hate that that's a i hate that that's a hurdle i really do hate that that's something that is restricting you know in a in a world where they're saying there should be there should be something for everyone including the pve players for safer seas having something for the pvp players is nice gating that off to the PVEVP or you know no pvpve people um is is frustrating but again it's it, that's my personal chip on my shoulder i recognize that bias uh they also talked about will the kraken get tlc i'll be honest i fought the kraken yesterday on my sloop and it was it was boring it took it took four cannon shots i think or three cannon shots her tentacle took two tentacles the red hit marker now tells me that the tentacle died so as soon as I got two down, I went back to what I was doing, which was sailing towards the Siren Skull. Um, they did say that they would like to go back to actually do something with that world event. Uh, they would love to, but it really just kind of is not a priority. They are focusing on enriching the sandbox, which in my Opinion is something that would enrich the sandbox instead of, you know, being like something that they wanted, but they do want to do something new. And again, the whole episode was about them realizing that chasing the new is not always the best course of action. This question to me kind of resonated to the fallacy in their, in their thought where they said that they recognized that the community was asking for a specific thing. uh, And they decided to go after new features the community is asking for Krakens to get TLC. They're saying that they would love to, but they're focused on doing something completely new. And I think that that is a little like, come on, guys. You you should you should kind of like realize what you're saying versus what the whole episode has been about. Um, Just my opinion. It, it was one of those things, because I think that the Kraken has a lot of opportunity. And I think that the Kraken has even more opportunity, given that one of the other questions was... Uh, will there be anything happening with Hunter's call will they get any kind of refresh and they said that they can't explain why but they they have to reveal what's coming in 2024 um it, it, they can't they can't say what would be happening to it without revealing what is going on in 2024 um that was Shelly that kind of spoke to that but they have no no plans currently to change the hunter's call and mike kind of recognized that there isn't really a whole lot of hunting in the hunter's call it's all just fishing and uh, uh you know cooking and i do think that that is something that the kraken should be a part of Megalodons should be a part of you should be you know you you do have to hunt krakens and megalodons to get the meat to be able to cook to be able to turn in um but you can find that meat in other in other fashions as well too so it's not necessary for you to fight those, to be able to get those commendations done, the Monster Hunter ones. And honestly, I think that the crack in getting TLC would be a good way to say like, hey, we're going to focus on Hunter's Call. We're going to enrich that reputation. We're going to raise it up. We're going to add cosmetics to it. We're going to build in ways for you to go hunting for those and draw more attention to wanting to actually fight those creatures. It's a whole thing in Skull and Bones to go after these big giant creatures and have a reason to go do it. Now, whether or not that pans out for the long term, we'll have to see. But in Sea of Thieves, most people don't want to deal with a Megalodon unless it's white. No one wants to deal with the Kraken ever. And Mike talked about how they they tried to address this with the Second Tall Tale with the Kraken and being able to see its body and to be able to fight its head, and yes, that was a cool way to kind of take on the Kraken, and I think something like that is what people were were desiring for adventure. Um, but it's it's locked to the Tall Tale, unfortunately, and there's not really a way to bring that across at the moment. Um, But I do think that that is a big desire for a lot of folks. And I think it kind of goes back to the idea that we want to have some of the stuff that's in the game be iterated on, have growth, have um, change. You know, so much of the world needs to have these little things, these little changes. We need to have reasons to do them again. And... Unfortunately, the draw for that's going to be cosmetics because that's the only thing that really people care about. People don't really care about getting gold anymore, which I think that needs to be addressed more than anything. Honestly, the two things that I think that are are harming Sea of Thieves right now are going to be hit registration and hackers and the gold economy. Not having ways to get rid of gold fast enough. Um, If everyone was consistently out of gold, then everyone would finally have a reason to really go chasing after other ships or to fight for their loot even more. Uh, There's just no balance right now. Most people that play on a regular basis have millions upon millions. Even the people that don't play on on a daily basis still have millions of gold and may not just be buying everything. Um, And I don't know what the solution for this is, unfortunately. I, I can't. I haven't really come up with a good fix for this. It's something that I think about on a regular basis, honestly, about how we can kind of address that. The only thing I can think of is to reduce the amount of gold that is actually obtained in the game. Um, Safer Seas (laughs) offers 30% of what the normal value is for items. Honestly, I think if the game took a lot of the costs for the higher end stuff and introduced things that were going to be kind of like, you know, big, big, um, you know, I think like the hundred thousand gold things are good, uh, are good for kind of killing off some of your, some of your, uh, your, your bank. It's just, it's just really messy right now. Um, maybe reducing all of the gold that's earned in the game is, is a way to do that. Uh, I've, I've consistently said that I like to have more golden glory weekends. And I think that that is a, a fun way to kind of go out and, and, do that I think that the, the the problem with it now in retrospect is that people get a lot of gold and a lot of glory uh, through like you know renown or, or allegiance rep whatever whatever it is honestly doing hourglass during uh, double, uh, bonus weekends is the only time I actually really ever even consider it. Because it's just such a grind. And I think that's a lot of people. A lot of people only want to do hourglass when it actually gives double the reputation. Because it is such a grind. And it is not a rewarding grind at that. Um, But additionally, because of that, there aren't enough things coming to the game to address the influx of gold. And as such, a lot of people have a lot of gold or none at all. You're either fresh to the game and don't have it or you have a ton and you don't have anything that you want to buy or spend it on or you've already bought it. So those are kind of like the two main things that I think CATHE should be focusing on for 2024. I think that them worrying about hackers and hit reg is is admirable i think that is a hundred percent what we should be kind of addressing and mike goes on to kind of talk about like once that is addressed then you can actually start to say like okay well once hit reg is no longer an issue once hackers are no longer an issue maybe then we can actually start to address bringing in different types of weapons or different types of ammos for weapons Or different types of of supplementals to weapons you can start to actually address that as opposed to we need to actually make sure that the weapons work because that is is consistently been a a main issue a talking point over the years that it's so much to the point that it's not even worth talking about because nothing has really changed until the last couple of years The other thing that uh was talked about flameheart um the eventual return and uh he's uh, mike goes on to say that flameheart is on his way um that you may have noticed that the orb is in the reaper's hideout and that it is drawn to whoever has the most power um honestly i really don't like The orb being something that is like a magical artifact in the game that is drawn to power that is just going to be sitting in the Reaper's hideout at this point. I think the draw for the orb was its uh, prophetic nature during the end of the year that would kick off the next year's worth of story through riddles or, or rhymes or, you know, teases and stuff like that. When you just have the orb sitting in the Reaper's hideout and you're just waiting for it to do something, then it it loses its luster of being something to look forward to at the end of the year. Um, We used to look forward to Gilded Voyages at the end of the year. Those are gone. We didn't get one this year. Uh, And we didn't get an orb stream. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because they just they they're, they they either aren't working with the team that used to to produce that, or they just weren't certain about what things they wanted to tease, given the nature of twenty twenty three, or a combination of both. And at that point, it's like that's cool, that's fine. It it was a cool thing. It was great that we got it twice. Uh, obviously the team is focused heavily on trying to make up for the fact that twenty thirteen was just a, a rough year. And because of that, they didn't have time to build up a teaser session or a teaser stream for the orb to then give people an opportunity to get another colored version of the Lantern. It's it's what it is. Um, it's clear that 2023 was m- most definitely a misguided uh, venture into the unknown. And a lot of folks are, are very reasonably bummed out by that but i i feel like rare sees and is now speaking to that being the thing that is is going to be remedied with 2023 now i'm i'm not going to hold them to any expectation for 2024 uh, or yeah 2024 um if if they hit it awesome if they don't i understand they are trying to they're trying to work on what they can and they're trying to focus on what they can and whatever we get is what we get. And I will either you know jump headfirst into it or I will address those concerns at that time. But I'm not going to say like this needs to be the best year of Sea Thieves has ever been. Because that puts too much pressure on the studio. And honestly, I would rather see what the studio has coming for us when it's ready. But them being vocal about what's actually coming. I, I like that they told us that time limited voyages are going to be going away in season 11. I think more of that needs to happen. I think they need to be more open about the features and let them let a, you know, let the hype train start kind of rolling sooner than a week before it comes out cuz that just does not really it doesn't really hit for people, I think. I think if people know what's coming down the line, then it will be easier to kind of say like oh okay well i don't really know the full story but that sounds cool or that sounds dumb and that will give the team an opportunity to react whereas otherwise something will come out and it may do great but then everyone realizes oh this isn't as great as i i thought it was going to be it doesn't have the lasting power and that kind of gets us into the teasing section of the the podcast where they talked about like they they want to change for the style of of updates coming 2024 they want to focus on hit reg and improving the reliability there they want to give a that that does want to give them a, a license to be able to expand the weapon tree flameheart's uh feature will or will feature and he he's he's back uh and that will grow over time as well as features related to him um flameheart is a very exciting part of 2024 and season 11 features that are going to change the fundamental level of how sea of thieves is we'll have to see how that goes um and then they said that the fundamental level will be the last large change that is on par with guilds and captaincy and how sea of thieves will feel and having the ability to have shorter sessions is the focus with that instead of having to set aside uh, a whole day or an entire evening to be able to play um overall i was very happy with this episode Uh, Aside from the bit about Joe or excuse me, Mike, not really recognizing the uh, a a little bit of like us saying, hey, we want focus and iteration on old stuff instead of new stuff. And him saying, well, we're kind of focused on new stuff. Uh, That's that's kind of the, the issue that I that I have with the entire episode. But honestly, it was nice to hear them talk about them recognizing that enriching the sandbox will be a boon to all. Uh, that focusing on hit reg and uh, hackers are are going to be a boon for all and that tying big features to seasons is where you run into the issue of delays and it's it's better just to put out a season that has no big feature and kind of ensure that that feature has time to mature and, and grow on its own outside of when a release schedule is and then just put it out when it's ready as opposed to delaying a season for 200 and some days uh only to have people be frustrated when it comes out and you you see the comments people are, are very mean about it they're saying oh well this is it that's all that it is it doesn't and a lot of folks feel that way about guilds you know they say guilds that this is it this is just captaincy for bigger groups you know it didn't have the this the 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 broad appeal that i think a lot of the team wanted and i do think that that was because the way that the system was implemented you were in a guild and you had three options i still think that i would have rather have had one guild with more members uh you know if i could have three that were at 25 players per um which i I don't think it's actually 25 i think it's 24 uh but if you could have three of those i would much rather have one guild that was 100 players or 75 players as opposed to three separate ones because then it it, it, it frustrates people as a content creator. Now, you may never need that many, but it, I think that having three just kind of removes some of the focus on two other guilds, whereas one gets the most focus because everyone's putting their effort in, into there. As, as a, a point of um, perspective, the keelhauled guilds that we have, the first one, the captain's one where the most active people are in, that one's already prestiged to the first level and it is it has gotten into the second level of of uh reckoned uh recommend- no of of renown whatever it's called um the second guild is still in single digit levels and i've tried to, to do some sailing on that guild specifically because we've already hit our level one distinction but there just aren't enough players in that guild that are super active to push that guild level forward so that one will always be behind the first guild Whereas if this was one guild, it wouldn't matter how, you know, how the, the how active the other people are. Sure, there would be more people that are active in others, but at least everyone would be earning uh, a little bit towards just one as opposed to having to split it off. And that's kind of a bummer, which makes me want to then open up the second guild to anyone who isn't a patron, because then at least there would be some active players who aren't patrons. Who are helping push forward that other guild, and if that's if that's what has to happen, then that'll that'll happen. Um, but it does kind of remove some of that that ideal of rewarding the people who are supporting the content uh, monetarily and not having room for them. Because what happens if they decide they do want to join one of those guilds, and I don't have a spot open for them? It's an issue that very niche I get, but still valid feedback in my opinion. All right, Pirates, I think that's going to do it for this episode. It is uh, a much longer episode, uh, obviously trying to cover a a one-hour podcast and give feedback on that, as well as uh, my my preview for Skull and Bones Um, after not having an episode last week. Hopefully you guys enjoy this content and the discussion around it. I definitely want to hear your thoughts or feelings on it. So if you're in the Discord, make sure you're using the channels, the Keelhaul channel or the question and feedback channel to let me know what you think about it. Uh, additionally, if you're listening to this or watching it on YouTube, there's comment sections that I read uh, for every single cha- uh, uh, episode that goes out. Feel free to share there. If you want to share in other means outside of Discord or YouTube, you can always send an email to CAPTLOGUN at gmail.com. I'm also over on uh, X slash Twitter uh, and threads at CAPT underscore L-O-G-U-N. And outside of that, I think that's going to do it. So, Pirates, I hope you have a fantastic 2024 And do me a favor, take advantage of 2024 and dream bigger than you've ever dreamed before and try and make something that didn't happen in 2023 happen this year. Take advantage of it and see where you can go with it. And Hopefully it rewards you the way you deserve. Pirates, thank you. I love you. And I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves.